Alright, go ahead tonight and turn to Matthew chapter 14. And go ahead and also turn to Matthew 14, Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 4. If you want to maybe keep your fingers in all three of those places, we're going to focus on one story tonight, but we're going to look at it. It's, it's mentioned in three of the Gospels. And uh, we're gonna. There's things that we notice, uh, different things in each of those stories. That's that's one of the neat things about the Gospels. Whenever you study one of the stories in there, it's neat to kind of go and look at the other Gospels and see details that are added to the story that aren't in some of the other ones. And when you put it all together, uh, boy, it's just uh, amazing the way things kind of come together and the things you can learn. But something that I've Talked about in several messages, you know, over the last year or so. Um, whenever you look at the miracles of Jesus, there's almost always that I can find. You know, I haven't found all of them yet. I'm still working on it, trying to figure out what they all are. But when you look at the different miracles that Jesus did, there was almost always a specific uh, spiritual lesson that he was trying to teach. While he did amazing. Physical things. And I, and I believe when the Bible talks about these miracles He did, I don't think they're figurative. I believe they are literal. I believe Jesus literally raised people from the dead. I believe He literally multiplied the loaves and the fishes. I, I believe every bit of that. But whenever you see those miracles, Jesus was trying to teach them a spiritual lesson in that. Many times they didn't get it. And in Matthew chapter 14 uh, and Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter Luke chapter 4, I believe is where they all are. We see the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. Very famous story. Well-known story of Jesus walking on the water. And so what spiritual lesson are we supposed to learn from that? And I think there's a few lessons that he tried to teach us in there. And also, you know, in this story of Jesus walking on the water, you know, there was more than one miracle that took place there. We're going to see in these stories. There really, I guess, was you could say three different miracles that was done. And that's not counting Peter walking on the water too. But look at Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read this account first. Verse 22 says, "...and straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go over before Him unto the other side while He sent the multitudes away." And this was right after He fed the multitude with the five loaves and the two fish. So keep that in mind. And if you remember too, in that story, He fed them and he was trying to teach them that he was the bread of life. The next day after this happens, they came, they found Jesus again, not because they wanted that bread of life, not because they wanted, uh, you know, they believed in him as the Messiah, but they wanted more food. They wanted another meal. They got hungry again the next day. Kind of like my kids. We feed them every day, and the next day they want to eat again. And sure enough, that's what happened with the children of Israel. And Jesus tried to teach them, I am the bread of life. Okay, I am the bread of life. You know, if you'll eat me, you're not going to hunger again. And they didn't get that lesson. They didn't learn it. But that's what he was trying to teach them, and that's what he was proving he had the ability to do when he did that miracle. And so after that happens, Jesus, he needs to get alone. He needs to get by himself. He sends the multitudes away. Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Once again, I don't believe this is figurative. I believe Jesus literally walked on the water. And He did it 
while it was storming. That makes it even more impressive. There's big waves and things. And He's walking on the water. I mean, just a, a miracle. Verse 26, And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. So, very well-known story here. I mean, a miracle that we cannot describe has just taken place here. I mean, just... You know, we, we can't even physically comprehend You know, how do you multiply five loaves and do some, enough to feed thousands? You know, what did it look like as that was happening? I mean... As Jesus put his hand in the basket, was just a new loaf of bread magically just appearing just like that? I mean, was it growing while it was in there and he just kept pulling parts of it up? I mean, I don't know. You know, I, we can't describe it. it. It blows our mind. You know, walking in the water, okay? That, that physically is just impossible. I know. I tried it. In fact, I even tried it on the Sea of Galilee when we were there. Uh, I didn't have a lot of faith. In fact, I never, you know, I made sure I was kind of hanging on, but just like, I had to try. I'm at the Sea of Galilee. I got to try to walk in the water, and I failed. Um, didn't, didn't, even, didn't even let go of the dock, because, and I, I probably would have went right down deep in the water, because uh, I don't have, I, ha, I obviously have less faith than Peter. And, of course, Peter, uh, Jesus said he had little faith. You know, we pick on him all the time, but. At least he did it for a little bit. But anyway, you know, and that was just something for fun. I just wanted to tell people I tried to walk on the water in the Sea of Galilee. And so I do. I have that badge of honor. But Jesus, though, he, you know, when he's walking on the water, okay, obviously uh, there was a reason, you know, there were reasons he was doing it. He wasn't doing this to just put on a show in, a, in the way to, uh, you know, be, you know, Impressive, okay? That's not what he, you know, he needed, there was some reasons he was doing this. There were some lessons that he was trying to teach them, and lessons that we are to be taught. This is in the Bible three different times, because we're supposed to learn some lessons from this. And the first one, I believe, is very clear, simple to see that we were supposed to learn, is that we're just supposed to have faith in Christ. We see Peter after he sinks, Jesus, you know, why did you doubt? Hey, you know, we, we ought to, have faith. We ought to believe Christ. We ought to believe the Word of God the first time we're told something. In Matthew 14, verse uh, in verse 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand, caught Him, and said to Him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And then when they were in the ship, they came and worshipped Him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. You know, sadly, before they're saying this, they had to see this extremely impressive miracle. We see that the first time they see Jesus, you know, they get scared at first. And, I mean, there's so many stories that we see in the Bible where the disciples are panicking. You know, there's the other story where they're in the ship and there's a storm. And it's amazing. I mean, every time that you see the disciples in a ship, there's always storms going on. 
And it's like, why did that happen? Jesus was trying to teach these guys you need to have some faith. I mean, they're in a boat with Jesus. They say they believe He's the Messiah. They believe He's who He said He is. But they were always panicking. They're always thinking we're going to die. You had Thomas who's always doubting. One time when Jesus said, "Let's go to Jerusalem," and Thomas was like, "Yeah, let's go to Jerusalem. We're all gonna, you know, so we can all die." Basically, I mean, just they were always doubting, always panicking. And then Jesus would do something amazing. Oh, now we believe. Now we get it. You know what? Why don't we just? You know, we would. You would think that we would at least be to a point. We've got the scriptures. We've seen all these examples that we would just believe God the first time He tells us something. That we would just believe His word. It's amazing. You know, even in my own life, things that I can think of and times in the past where, you know, I've kind of taken that step of faith. And if I'm being honest, you know, I did some worrying, I did some doubting, and sure enough, God came through. And then after the fact, I'm like, yep, I believe God. Well, you know, that's not impressive to God at all. God is not impressed when we believe Him after we see the results. You know, whenever God promises He's going to take care of us, Okay, God's not impressed with those who believe God after He takes care of them. God's impressed with those who believe God before He takes care of them. That are just claiming His promises the whole time. That's what pleases God. That's what impresses God. And we just need to teach ourselves to start believing things the first time. You know, we shouldn't need to see miracles before we believe God. We shouldn't need to see signs to believe God. And we see the disciples were like that and Jesus was always getting on to them for that. You know, lack of faith, it's a result of a hard heart. Look at what it says in Mark 6 and verse 51. I'm going to turn over there real quick. Mark 6 verse 51. It says, "...and He went up unto them in the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. Y'all see that? You would think after that miracle of the loaves, they wouldn't have any more doubts. You know, you would think after Jesus' first miracle where he turned the water into wine, they wouldn't have any more doubts. But they even after Jesus had done that miracle with the loaves, they still struggled with believing, and the Bible says it's because their hearts were hardened. And we see when Jesus, you know, many times when Jesus would give these parables and it would, people would be offended and they would walk away. Sometimes even the disciples were offended and they would, and they would question and they would doubt. And Jesus would get onto them for it. And the, th- and the truth is, the people in Jesus' day that did not believe him didn't believe him because they had a hard heart. And the truth is, for us today, anytime we doubt anything in the Word of God, it's because we have a hard heart. We don't like to admit that we're hard-hearted people. We like to think that we're soft and we have a tender heart. But the truth is, if you have, if you're doubting as a believer, you have a hard heart. And you know what? I'm planning on preaching a message here in the near future, specifically on doubts. Okay? Any, I think everyone has doubts sometimes. I think all of us face it. We all there's there's times where. You know, the devil, he's constantly on our case. You're going to have doubts, but you know what? It's never right to have doubts. We never have an excuse to doubt, but I do believe that we all, we do all have doubts sometimes. And we need to admit when that happens, it's because we have a hard heart, and we need to learn to say, you know, Lord, soften my heart. You know, Lord, give me the right kind of heart. 
Help me not to doubt. Help me to just believe you the first time. Help me to have that childlike faith. You know, kids. You know, kids, boy, they they just kind of accept everything. You know, and they're they're usually very trusting. And then a lot of times, their parents, as they get older, they get less trusting. Like Allie right now, uh, she has a tough time trusting me when it comes to rides at amusement parks because. I have a tendency to tell her, oh, no, this is easy. And then she rides on it and finds out they're terrifying. And so uh, she has doubts. In fact, this last time we were at Silver Dollar City, there was this huge roller coaster we were going to go on. And I told her, you know, I was like, no, it's easy. This isn't scary at all. And, but unfortunately, as we were going to where that roller coaster was, you could see a big part of this roller coaster that was very high. Very intimidating looking, and she saw that. And she's like, "Dad, that is scary. You know, you lied." You know, and she kept talking about how I lied. We were there. We were eating in Arkansas with my cousins, and I heard her over there. And she's like, "My dad is a liar." And she was, she was like, "He's like, he was telling me these rides aren't scary, and they were scary." And uh, and so you know, we we struggled there. Uh, you know, my, and that kind of happens. You know, I I've asked for that. You know, I deserve that. But you know, when they're little, they'll believe anything. And the truth is, with God, He's not like me. He's not going to. He's not going to lie to us about things. If He says everything's okay, it's okay. And we ought to believe Him like a little child believes their parent. We ought to have that kind of trust. Why are little kids like that? They have a tender heart. They're very tender, and that's the way that we ought to be as Christians with God. We see in Mark chapter 16, verse 14, it says, After He appeared unto the eleven, they sat at meat and abraded them, and He abraded them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen Him after He was risen. After Jesus rose from the dead, people told the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead and they didn't believe Him. They didn't believe those people. And Jesus had told them multiple times that He was going to die and three days later, he was going to rise from the dead. And then here come some people later saying, guess what happened? Exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. And they didn't believe him. And the Bible says when Jesus got with them, he upbraided them. You know what that means? He chewed them out. He got on to them because they did not believe them, because they did not believe him because of their hardness of heart. That's what he, that was their problem. They had hard hearts and they did not believe God. And when we see the story of Jesus walking on the water, this is evidence to us that we have no reason to ever doubt Jesus Christ. And any time we do doubt, we've just got to admit it, we have a hard heart. We see all the time that people when they don't get saved, the reason people don't get saved, we often will attribute that to a hard heart. Okay, But what does a person have to do to get saved? They have to believe. And why don't they believe? Because they have a hard heart. That's the problem. People have hard hearts and there's no excuse for that. Jesus proved He can do whatever He said when He's walking on the water. Okay, somebody When He's doing something like that, there's no reason to doubt Him. But disobedience to the Word of God. Anytime we disobey the Word of God, it is a result of a lack of faith and a lack of faith is a result of a hard heart. When we don't, do, when we don't follow the commands of the Bible, it's because we don't believe them. We see all the blessings that are promised to those who obey God. We see the curses that are involved with those who disobey God. Yet we will disobey all the time. It's because we don't believe. 
Why is it that kids many times do things that they know are against the rules? They're thinking mom and dad won't notice, or mom and dad won't do anything about it. They're thinking, you know, they don't believe the threats that have been thrown their way. And sometimes parents, you know, they give idle threats. They they say things they don't mean. They don't follow through on things. But God doesn't do that. God follows through on things. He does what He says He's going to do. And so, if any time, any time we disobey the Word of God in anything, it's because we have a hard heart. Mark chapter ten verse two says, "And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife?' Tempting him." And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said to them, For the hardness of your heart, He wrote you this precept. What was He talking about? The people were not willing to follow God's plan of one man and one woman for life. They were not wanting to follow God's plan. Well, where was that command at? The principle was right there in the Garden of Eden. Jesus showed it. He quoted that in the beginning. Male and female created He them. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and they uh, twain shall become one or uh, one flesh, whatever, how that passage goes. You know, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. That right there in Genesis, that was all they needed. But you know, it wasn't enough for them. And so... They're unwilling to listen. Because they were unwilling to listen, because they had such a hard heart, Moses gave them that bill of divorcement. He said, alright, fine, you can divorce, but that was never, that never meant God was okay with that. I mean, I think probably every parent in here, one time or another, you've told your child they could do something, or I guess you could say you allowed them to do something that you didn't want them to do. Maybe there's, they've been doing things like, you know, you're going to get hurt if you do that. But they keep wanting to do it. And finally, sometimes as a parent, you say, okay, go ahead. It doesn't mean you're okay with it. You know what you're doing? You're like, you're kind of, you're going to let them get hurt. Why? Because it's the only way they're going to learn. And so, and divorce is a very painful thing. But sadly, some people, their hearts are so hard, even when they go through divorce and, you know, and it devastates their family, it hurts them, what do they do? They, they, you know, they don't repent. Why? Hard heart. That's all there is to it. And we've got to, we've got to just admit that anytime we disobey the God, the Word of God, it's a lack of faith and it's because we have a hard heart. And Jesus was trying to show the disciples that when He walked on the water. And then, and so another lesson that we see, look at Mark chapter 6. Let's look at the Mark chapter 6 story. We looked at a couple of verses in there. But there's another lesson that we see from this same event that took place. Uh, we see another detail in here in the book of Mark chapter 6, verse 46. It says, "...and when He had sent them away..." He departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and He alone on the land. And He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, He cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw Him walking on the sea, upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw Him and were troubled, and immediately... He talked to them and saith to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. We see in this story how notice how in verse 
48, okay, they're in this terrible storm. Jesus, notice, Jesus is watching them. He can see that they're in trouble. He sees them toiling. He sees them working. Yet the Bible says that when He goes walking on the sea, He walked like He was going to walk right past them. Now, what can we learn from that? Why is he? Why does he? You know, he knows they need help. So why doesn't he just go right to them and say, "Hey, do you all need some help?" What does he do? He just walks by like he's going to walk right by them. And I think a lesson that we can learn from that is Jesus doesn't force himself on people, and we see that in the Word of God that. God, he he does. I mean, as all powerful as he is, he does give us choices. He does not force himself on us. He wants us to choose him. He wants us to call for him. In James four two, it says, "Ye lust and have not; ye kill, desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not." We need to ask God when we need help. When we're struggling in our life, He wants us to ask Him. It's like we, you know, have you ever known people like that that they just refuse to ask for help, but they're always expecting help? Have you ever known people like that? I mean, you know, it's like, and they've got this attitude, uh, you know, nobody ever wants to help me, you know, and it's like, you know, you've got to ask. You know, it's like they want everybody to just you know, come volunteer for them. And you know, sometimes we don't always know. And just you just need to ask, okay? Just ask. And when it comes to our prayers that we are, you know, the needs in our life, God knows what those needs are, but He wants us to ask. Why? Because right there, us asking God, that right there shows faith. You know, anytime you pray, that shows faith. You're praying to a God that you cannot see. You're you're praying. You're just trusting His word. You're believing Him. You're doing what He says. And right there, that's an act of faith. Right there, that's what we're supposed to learn. And we are supposed to call on Him. Okay, if you're sick, God knows you're sick, but He wants you to ask Him for help. He wants you to pray. He wants you to call on Him. That's what and He says right there. And James, ye have not. Because ye ask not. And Jesus, I believe, He wanted the disciples to ask for help. He wanted the disciples to call for Him. And you know, they they could have called out before Jesus got out there in the water by them. And He would have known. He would have heard them. But Jesus is like, alright, those guys need help. They need help. They're out there. None of them are thinking to you know yell for me or anything like that. Like I can't hear them. Like I don't know what's going on. And so it's like it was almost like you know sometimes he'll he'll hint, try to get us to call on him. And so he does. He just goes walking by the sea like nothing's wrong, nothing's going on, wanting them to call for him. Why he doesn't force himself on people. We see even in salvation, the Lord draws people to him, and the Lord, I believe, even will allow circumstances to cause people to realize their need for a savior. But we do see in the Bible that for someone to be saved, they have to call on the Lord. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 10. I think this is interesting. I think this is exactly what we see going on here in Mark chapter 6 when Jesus is just walking by them on the water, acting like you know He's just going to pass right by them. In Romans 10.13, very well-known verse, "...for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." 
Okay? Not just whosoever Jesus picks, all right, like we were talking about on Wednesday night uh, with the whole Calvinism thing. You know, whoever Jesus just chooses to save, you know, he will make them call on him. No, it's for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then look at this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. God sends preachers. God wants us to send preachers. He wants us to get people out there to preach to people so they will call on God. He uses us for that. God does not force Himself on people, but He does want us to encourage people to call on Him. The Bible says they can't call on Him unless they hear about Him. They can't hear about Him unless someone is preaching. There's got to be a preacher. There's got to be somebody sharing the message. And that's kind of what we're doing whenever we're out soul winning or whenever you're out, whenever you try to witness to anybody, we're kind of doing like Jesus did. You know, he's walking by knowing, all right, they're going to notice this. And then hopefully they'll call on me. And it's like what we're trying to do, we're going out there, we're just trying to, you know, hey folks, um, there's a problem. You're a sinner. There's a penalty for sin. Hey, we know somebody that can save you from your sin, but you've got to ask. You have to call on Him. If you, You've got to realize you've got a need for a Savior. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, not for whosoever shall God, you know, who God will call upon shall be saved. No, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe God wants everyone to call on Him. He wanted the disciples to call on Him, and thankfully in the story they did. You know, it wasn't an impressive faith they had, but you know what? As bad as they were, as poor of a performance of faith that they showed there, they did call, and you know what? They did get saved from that situation. And you know what? A lot of people when they get saved, they don't have a lot of faith, but you know what? If you have enough faith, call on the Lord. He'll save you. They've got a lot of problems. They don't know a whole lot of doctrine or theology. You know, they've still got a lot of issues. They've got a lot of baggage. But if they've just got enough faith to call on Him, He will save them from their sins. And Jesus Christ does not—he does not force Himself on people. And so then, now go to John chapter six, and here's another thing. There's another lesson that we learn. So we see, you know, we're supposed to learn. To have faith, just you know, have faith. Trust what God says. You know, believe the first time. Learn to ask for help. Okay, ask Him for help whenever, whenever you need it, whatever it is you're going through. Ask, you know, ask for help. And then in John chapter six, in verse fifteen, it says, "When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take Him by force to make Him a king, He departed again into a mountain Himself alone. And when even was now come, His disciples." went down into the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship. And they were afraid. But He said to them, It is I, be not afraid." 
Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. So notice in this story. Now I've read some different commentaries, and there's different schools of thought on what happened here. But I'm going to tell you what it looks like happened to me here. It looks like they were out in the middle of the sea, and after Jesus walked in the water, which is a pretty impressive miracle right there, all of a sudden he is in the boat, and the Bible says immediately, okay, immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. It looks to me like Jesus basically teleported the whole boat to the land. Okay, now that might sound kind of sci-fi. That might sound a little strange. That might sound. Uh, but wait a minute. Is there any reason for us to doubt he could have done that? They, all right. You know, some some commentaries say, well, you know, basically he made the ship, you know, go to land, you know, in his power. You know, some say no. It was all of a sudden, boom, it was there. You know, and the truth is. You know, we have we have no there's no reason for us to doubt that he literally you know teleported for lack of a better term them and the ship over there. You see, because you know, we do see examples in John chapter twenty, verse nineteen, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. We see Jesus all of a sudden appearing in the middle of a room that the doors were shut to. Well, maybe climb through the window. Listen, it said the doors were shut for a reason. You know why? Because this was a miracle that took place. Yeah, well, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. You know, maybe he didn't have a no. He had a physical body. We see that he ate. You know, we see him eating. After the resurrection, we see the disciples touching his body. I mean, he had a literal physical body, and yet he's outside a room, and without opening the doors, he's in a room. We see a little bit later on the Mount of Transfiguration, he ascends into heaven. How did he do that? Oh, well, there was invisible angels that came and picked him up. Okay, even if that's how he did it, that's still pretty cool. But I think he did it on his own power. And there's no reason for us to doubt that he couldn't do that. And you know, we've got we've just got to learn from this story. Just do not doubt. Do not doubt. God, there's no reason to doubt. The reason we often don't ask for help, many times we think there's there's nothing he can do. You know, this it's too late. We let circumstances limit God. And we do sometimes like no, there's nothing that can be done. There's nothing that can fix this situation. This person, they're too far gone. There's no way anything can be done. But yet we see Jesus, I mean, He's defying all laws of physics when He's walking on the water. Okay, And you know what? Why can't He do that? He's the one that created physics. He's the one that created all this stuff. He, he can do that. We see that uh, you know Jesus controlled nature when He calmed the sea. You know... There's no reason to doubt that. Have I ever told you all the story about the three preachers that walked on the water? The two of them. There was three of them. There was a Baptist, a Methodist, and a Catholic out fishing together. That was a miracle right there. And they're fishing, and the Catholic's like, man, I left the worms in my truck. And he steps out of the boat, and he walks across the water, and gets the worms, and then sure enough, he walks back across the water, gets in the boat. And that Baptist, he's thinking, good, 
Catholic can walk on the water? And then the Methodist, he's like, oh, you know, I left some things up in there. I left my tackle box. I need to go back and get it. And he steps out of the water, walks across the water, gets the stuff, comes back, walks across the water, right in the boat again. That Baptist is like, man, if a Methodist and Catholic can have enough faith to walk on the water, I'm sure I can. So he's like, you know, I left my lunch in the truck. And so he goes, steps out of the boat, falls in the water. Catholic looks at the Methodist, he's like, you think we ought to tell him where the stones are? And yeah, that's a lame joke. But at the same time, Jesus wasn't. I don't think he was pulling any stunts here. There was no. There wasn't any any trick to this. These were literal miracles that he did. They, I mean, amazing things. When he calmed when he calmed the sea, he. I mean, he's he's controlling nature. We see in Mark chapter four verse thirty nine. This is a different story where he calms the sea. In fact, in this story, we don't see Jesus saying anything to the sea in this story. We see him get in a boat. All of a sudden, they're at land. The sea's calm. He didn't even have to say anything. But in Mark chapter four, verse thirty-nine, this is when they were out toiling in the middle of the sea, and Jesus is asleep. They finally they wake Jesus up. And notice, I like I like how it says this. It says in verse thirty-nine, and he arose and rebuked the wind. And said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now this is amazing too, because you know you would all think I was crazy or someone was crazy if they're out yelling at the wind and yet I mean I guess we've all probably done that before. Have you ever seen it snowing before? It's like, why? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I got I gotta get places. And you know, and we do that out of frustration, but understand that and I'm not real smart in this area. But there are, you know, things in nature that cause weather. Okay? And guess who created all that stuff? Jesus Christ created it all. And he rebuke it. Stop doing that. You know, stop the wind stopped blowing and it listened to him. Okay? We can't describe that. There's nothing we can do. Like like that, but Jesus was able to. Why would we doubt someone who can control the laws of physics? You know, we will look at you know maybe a physical situation that someone's in and say, you know what, this person's too far gone. You know, we're all we all have a lot of faith in praying for somebody with a flu or with a cold, but you know, somebody's got cancer or you know some other you know fatal disease. Yeah, we can't pray for them. It's too late. But you know what? We also see how Jesus he rebuked the sea there. And then in Luke chapter 4, verse 39, it says, And he stood over her, a young lady who had a fever, and he rebuked the fever. And it left her. Now, why would you yell at somebody's fever? Well, you know what? We all know now, too, there are physical things that cause fevers. There's bugs and things that we get. There's germs and there's actual living things that cause the sickness that people have. And guess who created those things and who's in charge of those things? Jesus Christ is. And He rebuked the fever. You know, and this is a good one too for like these people who believe that all sickness and pain and stuff is a result of a lack of faith in people. You know, The Christian scientists, they don't believe in sickness and pain. They think that's all kind of in the mind, a lack of faith. Well, if that was the case, then shouldn't Jesus have rebuked this girl for having a fever, if it was her fault, I mean, wouldn't it have made sense to rebuke her? Hey, you don't have any faith. Have faith, and the fever will go away. No, he didn't rebuke the girl. He rebuked the fever. Why? Because there was something physically 
causing that to happen. And you know what? It listened to Him. And the fever immediately leaves her. Jesus controls nature. He controlled it when He called the sea. Jesus ignored space when He brought them to shore. I mean, you know, go figure that one out. And you know, you know we, we can't describe these things. We can't explain these things. But we understand that when we talk about Jesus Christ, we are, we're talking about the Creator. We are talking about an all-powerful God that we serve. And, and notice too, okay, it's only, that's only mentioned in one of the Gospels. Why didn't the other Gospels mention that too? That's pretty cool. But they didn't even mention it. John, you know, he just kind of throws it in there, like, yeah, and you know, immediately, boom. Boy, I'd have wrote a whole book about that if I saw something like that. And we see later at the end of the book of John, he talks about even after Jesus' resurrection, you know, the books couldn't, you know, the world couldn't contain the books that should be written about the things Jesus did. We don't even know the half about things that Jesus did while he's on this earth. I mean, we. We can't even comprehend the things the Bible does tell us about, and there's things that it doesn't tell us about that he did. I mean, it's he is so far beyond what we can comprehend, and he gave us all the stories we needed so we would never have an excuse to doubt. It's like, well, you know, I mean, what do we need? I mean, what miracle would have been a little more impressive? You know, would you believe Jesus if He'd have wore a cape and shot fire from his eyes and flown around and been bulletproof. You know, I mean, is that what we want? Is that the kind of thing we need to see? I mean, you know, I think he gave us plenty. There's no reason. I mean, there's so many miracles that are mentioned in the Bible, things that are so impressive. We see in Genesis, and he made the stars also. Oh yeah, he made those. He made those too. Like no big deal. Well, wait a minute. That's a pretty big deal, but not to God, and not to Him. Not with the kind of power He has. Why would we doubt? You know, there are physical things that we might not completely understand how they work, but God does. God, He can control everything with the word of His mouth. He, we see example after example. And this story that we see three times in three gospel mentions with him walking on the water, this we're supposed to, what we're supposed to learn from this is do not doubt. Have faith. Ask him to help ask him to help you. Ask him to do things. We have no excuse for not having faith. We have no excuse for our sin of doubt. And we'll probably never know until we stand before God how many great things we missed out on because of our lack of faith. I wonder how many prayers we didn't get answered just because we didn't we didn't pray for them. How many things we could have had if we would have just asked for it, but we didn't. Or maybe you did ask for it, but when you asked, you didn't believe. Fine, I'll ask. But you're not expecting anything. And some of us, we like to be right so much I think we're almost glad when God doesn't answer our prayers so we can say we were right. I knew He wouldn't answer that. I knew, I knew, well, if you're going to be like that, yeah, God's not going to answer your prayer. You know, He does things. You know, He, He allows things to come our way. He'll allow challenges to come our way. And He'll do things to try to get our attention like He does. I mean, somebody walking on the water is going to get your attention. But He didn't, He didn't call out to them. 
He wanted them to call for Him. He doesn't force Himself on us. And you know what? Let's just let's just believe stuff the first time and let's do this. Let's call on Him for salvation. Let's let Him... You know, let's watch him do miracles. Let's not let's not doubt. I want to see God do great things. And if we if we doubt, we just need to admit, I've got a hard heart. We need to ask the Lord. You know, Lord, soften my heart. We've seen I think it was in it was in Jeremiah or Ezekiel where he talked about how he was going to take that heart of stone out and give them a heart of flesh. And maybe that's what we need to ask. You know, Lord, forgive me for my hardness of heart. You know, we see so uh, so many examples. The children of Israel they had hard hearts. Why look at the miracles they saw, and yet they didn't believe God. The disciples, they I mean, they walked with Jesus for three years. He told them multiple times he was going to rise from the dead. Yet when he rose from the dead, and somebody said that he rose from the dead, they didn't believe him. And Jesus, he yelled, he got on to them for their hardness of heart. We just need to admit sometimes that we're hard-hearted people. Whenever we do go through the motions and we pray for something and we don't get our prayers answered, we don't see what we want to see, you know what we need to stop doing? We need to stop blaming God and we need to ask for forgiveness because obviously we have a hard heart. If the Lord doesn't come through, it's not because of Him. It's because of us. He might be trying to teach us something and I think one of the things He tries to teach us all the time is have faith. Don't doubt. No excuse for doubting. So with that, let's all stand together.